I was um, reading our, our, our passage today, oh, they're saying we have to be close. I can't, I can't do this. Okay. All righty. Let me try to stay in one spot. Um, as I was reading our passage this week and, and praying about what the Lord would, would, would have, um, have us here this morning, uh, two questions kept coming into my mind. And, and, and the first one is, what is the condition of the heart that would demand the release of Barabbas and demand the crucifixion of Jesus? And the second is, how could this possibly tell us anything about God's love? For sinful people. And oddly enough, um, I guess it's the life I live these days. As I was thinking about these two weighty questions, my mind brought me to a children's movie. um, One that you've heard me mention before. um, But but probably because it does such a great job of capturing the experience of the human heart. um, That movie is, is Toy Story. And there's a moment there at the beginning, towards the beginning, where... Well, a new toy, right, arrives in Andy's room. Buzz Lightyear. And the commotion of Buzz, Buzz's arrival, all the toys get, get scattered and played with. And, and Andy's mom calls him back down for birthday cake. And there, when the dust settles, we find Buzz sitting on top of the bed. And Woody, the faithful, well-loved, pull-string cowboy doll, has been relegated to a place underneath it. With the dust and the cobwebs. And Woody crawls out and all the toys crawl on the bed. And they behold Buzz Lightyear. Space Ranger. He with retractable wings and built-in laser. Buzz is convinced he's not a toy and that he can fly. And the other toys are fawning over him. And they say, um, Woody says, he he doubts it. Woody's, Woody's not sure at all about Buzz. And he says, if you can fly, why don't you show us? Buzz says, okay. And Buzz stands up on the bedpost and he jumps off, spread his wings in flight, eyes closed, and he immediately falls, right? But he providentially lands on a bouncy ball, sprung back up in the air, lands on a car at the top of the track, rides the car down, up the ramp, into the sky, gets caught on the model plane hanging on the ceiling, twirls around about ten times and lands on the bed, a perfect ten, to the delight of all the toys in the room. And Woody's heart is broken. And he says, that wasn't flying, that was falling with style. But it was too late. Buzz is the joy of Andy's room. Buzz is the joy of Andy. And Woody is relegated. And so he begins plotting. And Woody's plan is he's going to push Buzz behind the desk. Where he'll be stuck for at least a couple of weeks, if not longer. But something goes terribly wrong. And Buzz gets pushed out of the window. And the rest of the movie is Woody's quest to bring Buzz back so that that he can save face. At the beginning, he feels no guilt about this. He's just upset that he got caught. And he pushed Buzz out of the window. And so the question is, what kind of heart would demand Barabbas 
Well, frankly, it's the same heart that would push Buzz out of the window. It's a heart that is afraid of losing its place, losing its status, losing its power and the status quo. And so we have Jesus entering in on Palm Sunday triumphantly to the fawning adoration of the crowds. And we have the leaders, the Jewish leaders, the Roman leaders, the crowds that they stir up. Afraid of losing their spot, afraid of losing their status, afraid of losing their power. And so the Jewish leaders and the crowds and Pilate, they respond as Woody to Jesus' buzz. They're threatened by this charismatic leader with popular following and messianic claims. And over the course of a week, they will turn on him. In fact, it only takes five days. They're searching for ways to shove Jesus behind the desk. Instead, they push him out the window. They demand his crucifixion, all the while demanding the release of a convicted criminal, Barabbas. They decide once and for all that public shame and violent death are the solution to the problem of Jesus. Friends, we stand here at the beginning of Holy Week on on Palm Sunday, and we're preparing to reenact, to relive these great events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that that not only changed the course of history, but changed the relationship of God and His creation. We're invited, if we're willing, to reconsider our our worldly understandings of, of God and man, of honor and shame, of guilt and innocence, of judgment and grace. If we're willing, God can turn these things completely upside down. But if we're going to do that, if the Lord is to touch us this Holy Week, we must recognize ourselves in this great story. We're not merely observers with a cultural and temporal distance. No, we're participants Frankly, we're guilty participants in the trial, the death, and the crucifixion of Jesus. And when we see ourselves in that story, when we take our rightful place, much as we did this morning, shouting, crucify him and release for us Barabbas, we can expect God to reveal the actual depth of the evil in our hearts. But more more boldly will he show us his inexhaustible love for sinful people. And so this morning, let us consider these two questions. What is the condition of the heart that would push Buzz out of the window, that would demand the release of Barabbas? And who is this God that in the midst of this would show his love for sinful people? So first, and this is the hard question, frankly. The first part is, is hard. You know, what is the condition of the hearts? The second part, that's the good part, and we'll get to that. But we've got to go down to this hard part before we come up to the good part. The condition of the heart that would, would crucify Jesus. I think it's safe to say um, in Toy Story that Woody felt threatened by Buzz's popularity with Andy and with the rest of the toys. And he felt threatened and perhaps scared of the reality that he was being displaced. 
All of the woody decorations in the room were being changed out for Buzz Lightyear decorations. And that, well, that was hard for the pull-string cowboy. It seems to me that such feelings were probably not far from the hearts of Pontius Pilate, from Herod and the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day. Jesus was a Galilean. He was from Nazareth, right? You've heard the old saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And yet he had the popularity of scores and scores of people from around the countryside. He was making messianic claims, performing miraculous deeds. He was identifying personally and in some strange way with God himself. And these actions and these words of Jesus were difficult enough to swallow. But when they were combined with the popularity that was displayed on Palm Sunday, it was enough for him to become an outright threat to the Jewish leaders and the Pilate himself. You see, the ruling powers of Judaism, um, their authority depended upon the law, okay, upon the rules. And they were the ones, right? They were the holy ones, the ones who knew how to pray, the ones who knew what to wear, the ones who knew the right rituals and the right things to do and when to do them and what not to do and when not to do them. They were the ones who were dictating to the people the means by which God was going to save Israel. And here comes Jesus, and he's hanging out with the very outcasts that the Pharisees had created. He's hanging out with the lepers and the tax collectors. He's showing love and mercy to the outcast. And that's pretty a popular thing for him to do. And it's threatening the power of the Jewish leaders. And the result of all of this is a people who was committed to preserve their power, to preserve their status quo. They were so committed to that, in fact, that they were absolutely blind to the work that God was doing right under their noses. They decided it was better to crucify God's Messiah than preserve their status in Jerusalem. So they brought him to Pilate. Um, I don't envy Pilate. He was in a tough spot. But he certainly felt a similar threat. <laughs> he wasn't so much concerned about Jesus' messianic claims. Um, he wasn't uh, so concerned about um, his popularity among the Jews. Pilate was a Roman governor. These things didn't, didn't bother him. He didn't believe any of it anyway. But he was concerned about another uprising in Jerusalem. One more, I'm guessing he figured, was sure to draw the attention of the emperor, of Caesar himself. The very best Pilate could hope for was to be kicked out of office, but more likely he too would be put to death if he could not preserve the peace. And so Pilate, he, he saw the situation, he saw the justice, and he ignored it to preserve his status to preserve his power, to preserve peace so that he might not lose these things which had become so precious to him. And so Pilate was willing to set aside truth and justice to preserve the peace and his power in the Roman government. What are the motivations of these hearts? The motivation of the heart that would push Buzz out of the window 
It's the same heart that would demand the release of guilty Barabbas, the crucifixion of innocent Jesus. And it's the same heart that day in and day out turns its back on the works of God. The same heart that overlooks truth, that overlooks injustice, so that our status and our way of life and the peace we think we have built for ourselves can be preserved. And because of all this, we share in the guilt of Jesus' crucifixion. We are complicit in his death. Frankly, we'd rather see the release of Barabbas because he doesn't challenge us. He doesn't demand anything of us. He doesn't challenge the pride of our hearts. We want Jesus crucified because we're threatened by the claim he has on our lives. We want him crucified because we know that to serve him means the way things are now can never be the same again. He calls us not to ignore injustice, but to weep for it and do something about it. He calls us to put to death worldly pleasures, which frankly, they're kind of fun, right? But they're leading to our death. He calls us to lay aside our own striving for favor, striving for favor in God's eyes and eyes of the world, and repent of our sinfulness. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. It's the one of humility. It's the one of sacrifice. It's the one of giving up rights so that others might live and know the Lord. That's a hard and difficult road. So give us Barabbas, please. He's much easier to follow. He'll tell us the things we want to hear. He'll allow us to worship a God of our own creation. He'll allow us to remain cocooned in the comfort of our own pride and status. Look, friends, this is real. This is, okay, we're thinking up here, but, but this is real. It's happening in your marriage. It's happening when, you, when, when you're so insistent on being right that your relationship with your spouse is falling apart. It's happening in your parenting when you're so insistent on your kids behaving the right way and doing the right things and getting into the right schools that you totally lose your focus on Jesus Christ in your home. It's happening at your business where you're sacrificing people for the sake of money and success. It's happening in your heart because you're giving up Christ to follow the ways of Barabbas. And so we're guilty. What is the condition of the heart that would push Buzz out of the window? What is the condition of the heart that would call for the release of Barabbas and the crucifixion of Jesus? It's the condition of our hearts. And we need a mighty Savior. <clears throat> now the reality of all of this is that Jesus knew the condition of our hearts when he came into Jerusalem. He knew that. He knew that he wasn't going to be liked. He knew that they were going to want to kill him, and he came in anyway. Luke, in, in his gospel, is at pains to drive home the fact that Jesus was completely innocent. In our reading today, that was so wonderfully um, <clears throat> recited by our readers, no less than seven times does a character say, Jesus is innocent. I find no guilt in him. 
Certainly this man is innocent. And yet, he's crucified anyway. The people demand, and Pilate allows, the release of Barabbas. He's a convicted criminal. There's no question about his guilt. And in his place stands the innocent Jesus. And there's equally no question about his innocence. And this, friends, is a fabulous preview of the work of Christ on the cross. That he would willingly give himself up for sinful people. That he, the innocent one, would take the place of the guilty one so that the guilty one might live. And friends, that's what he does for us. God's love for sinners is shown quite clearly here in this reading on Palm Sunday. That Barabbas will be released, that Jesus will be put to death, and that we would be pardoned while Jesus took the sentence that we deserve. That's my prayer as we head into Holy Week, that you would keep that reality at the front of your hearts and minds. That innocent Jesus was crucified for the sake of guilty sinners. And that he received just judgment in exchange for our release. And may this reality, the love of God for sinful people, sink in on our hearts. That they might be changed. That we might stop following Barabbas and instead follow Jesus. That we would give up of ourselves and the things we desire for the sake of our spouses and our children and our friends. That we would give up our status for the sake of the world. That it would know through us, St. Paul's, that it would know Jesus Christ. Crucified and three days raised from the dead to the glory of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. That he was crucified that we might live. May we repent, Lord, and follow him. That we would receive the forgiveness. That we would walk with Jesus the way of cross of the cross instead of mocking him. That we would join him. So that on Easter Sunday we might know the resurrected life.